Peter's going to bring us our reading from Scripture, and then I'll invite Bishop Ian to come forward and speak to us. We have two readings today. The first is from Genesis 12, 1 to 9, and it's on page 13 of Church Bibles. The Call of Abram. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless you, and those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west, an eye on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued towards the Negev. The second reading comes from Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20, and is found on page 1001 in the Church Bibles. The Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountains where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That is the word of the Lord. Father God, we thank you for Bishop Ian's ministry among us and for his support as we begin our vacancy. And we pray that you will be very close to him now, that you will speak through him, and that you will incline our hearts to listen, to learn, and to act on what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Alistair. Well, thank you, Alistair, for that warm welcome. And thank you, St. Thomas's. Um, it's good to be here once again. Well, today in our first reading, we read about that amazing man called Abraham. And I want to look 
at that scripture in Genesis chapter 12 um, and the first few verses. Uh, Abraham is a central figure in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the book of Genesis, his life spans some 12 chapters and three times in the Bible, he is called a friend of God. What an amazing thing to be called. Known in those early days, Abraham, a friend of God. And he is referred four times in the New Testament, in Romans, Galatians, Hebrews, and James. And he is called the father of all those who believe in Galatians 3, verse 7. So he is our father in the faith, and he is known as a man of faith. And of course, Abraham um, is also uh, not just the father of our faith in Christianity. He is known as Father Abraham in Judaism, and of course, he's known as the prophet in Islam. So he's quite a significant man. Um, and when we meet with Abraham, we hear him responding to the call of God upon his life. Let me read Genesis 12 in verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred or your family and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now Abraham's father was Terah, is from a place down in the south corner of what was known there as Mesopotamia, or Ur of the Chaldeans, as the Bible describes it. And we know little about his family, only that by the time his dad uproots all the family to head for the land of Canaan, this, uh, this man uproots everybody. Abraham, with his two brothers, Nahor and Haran, uh, sadly, his brother Haran died, so he wasn't going up to Canaan with Terah and the family. And he also took Lot, uh, his grandson, um, with him. So there they are, Terah in Ur of the Chaldeans, southern tip of Mesopotamia, which you will know, or let me tell you, is our modern Iraq. Um, um, we know that by the time he gets to Haran, he is already married to a girl called Sarai, and we know that Sarai is unable to conceive. Now, it's interesting here because, you see, Terah is going to the land of Canaan. Instead of going northwest, which would lead him to that very place, he travels northeast, and he's traveling along the river Euphrates. Now, there are four great rivers, isn't there, in, in that region? There's the river Nile, there's the river Jordan, there's the river Euphrates, 
and there's the great Tigris River. These are three great rivers in that region. And um, in these, this early chapter, it records this journey then of Abraham and all his family up to Haran. And so what we see now is that during his time in Haran, Abraham's father, Terah, dies. 205 years old he was. I mean, Abraham is 75 years old. So listen, don't give up. You know, come on. Age has never been a barrier to the Lord when he takes people and uses them for his glory. And so Abraham receives the call of God when he's at Haran. Abraham, go from your country and your kindred into your father's house. So here is the great call upon Abraham's life. And so he is going to travel at the age of 75 with his nephew Lot, with all his family, with all the goods that they have collected, with all the people who have attached themselves to Abraham's family. And off they go, trusting in the Lord. And you know, it wasn't just like, hey, Abraham, you know, uh, just get up and go to this land that I'm going to show you. It was a very dangerous journey. It was a very costly journey. But there's something that we learn from the New Testament. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says that Abraham set out not knowing where he was going. Not knowing where he, he, he knew roughly the direction, but he didn't know where he was going. Is that not a foolish thing to do? Is that not a crazy thing to do? To set out not knowing where you are going. I mean, even if we don't exactly know where we are going, we always got our sat-nav to follow, and we know how dependable the sat-nav can be. The number of times that I have used my sat-nav and, and, and ended somewhere else than where I wanted to go. And I, am, I have a, a family member um, who is quite ill, and I do online shopping for her. And they've moved to, to a, a bungalow in Aberdeenshire, and so I tapped in the postcode and the address, and, um, and every time, this is every time I've done this and ordered the shopping, on the day when the shopping is to arrive, I will invariably get a phone call. Hello, this is the Asda driver here. Hello. Uh, I, uh, where are you? I said, well, this is... Uh, well, I'm following the sat-nav. I said, you don't want to do that. I said, what you want to do is just follow the signs. Oh, right. Well, see, when you come along that, that dual carriageway, there is a sign that says to Cloverston, oh, aye, right you are. Follow that. Go up that road and on the right-hand side. To next week, hello, this is the... And it went on like that. Different, different deliveries. Now, who would go out not knowing where they were going? But you know, isn't it wonderful? 
the Lord is calling Abraham. The Lord knows where Abraham is going and will guide him. As Isaiah 30 and verse 21 says, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And when you turn to the right or to the left, So the great lesson for us, I think, that we are called to trust the Lord. What is the Lord calling you to? Maybe you sense the Lord speaking to you about something that he wants you to do, something new and something fresh. Like Abraham, when God calls us, we must step out in faith and trust. Because That calling showed Abraham's great faith and trust in the Lord. God often leads us, but he doesn't give us a physical map. But we have the leading of the Holy Spirit to guide us along the way. And what about this part of the faith journey of St. Thomas's? as we pray and we ask the Lord for guidance for our future, let us trust the Lord that he already knows what the future looks like. And if things get a bit etchy and rough around the corners, we will find that the Lord will keep us on the right road. He never let Abraham down, and you can be assured He will never let us down, whether in a personal capacity of seeking God's guidance or responding to a call from God to step out in faith into that new thing that he is planning for you, or whether it is as a congregation, as we say, Lord, we must step out in faith and believe that your future for St. Thomas's is exciting and is an adventure indeed. So like Abraham, we are called to trust as we go. Secondly, God gives to Abraham a great promise. He says this, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I shall show you. And then he says, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What a promise. I will make of you a great nation. Notice the number of times Abraham receives those promises from God. In Genesis 13 and verses 15 and 16, just a wee bit further on in the chapter, verse 14. The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are northward and southward and eastward and westward for all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth 
your offspring also can be counted. And again, he says many times in the next few chapters, reminding Abram of the blessing. Now, isn't that interesting? Abraham receives this promise, but there's a problem, isn't there? There's a bit of a difficulty. And we know because we see how Abram and Sarah just cannot imagine what God is promising and how this could ever happen. After all, Sarah is unable to conceive, and they were both not getting any younger. But here is the promise, and with the promise comes the change of name. Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah. And the Lord is surprising this couple with his promise. How many times does the Lord surprise us as he comes, you know, as he makes promises to us which are beyond our imagination? And we say, God, how can this be? Didn't the Mary, the mother of Jesus, said when she was told by the angel that she would carry the Messiah in her womb, but how can this be? And what was the retort? What was the response? Nothing, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. And this is what we see all through the Bible. When God's people are given promises that seem to be crazy and well beyond imagination. When God leads people into situations where they cry out, how are we going to get through this? And maybe you're in that place, that you're in a situation that is most difficult. And you know that you want to move forward, but you can't for some reason. How, God, how is this going to happen? How are you going to do this in my life? And the answer for us in faith is to say, with God, nothing is impossible. For if God promises, he will deliver. God fulfilled every single promise he made to Abraham. God does not break his promises. In Hebrews 11, again, in verses 11 and 12, it says about Sarah, whose name was changed. This is what it said about Sarah. Sarah, the one who laughed when he, she overheard a conversation between Abraham and these angelic visitors. And they said to Abram, Abram, Sarah's going to give birth to a boy. And in the tent, Sarah's overhearing probably not for the first time. And she starts to laugh. How can this be? But it says in Hebrews 11, verse 11 and 12, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Isn't that wonderful? For us also, for those promises that God makes to us, those promises in the scriptures, he is faithful who makes those promises. So hold on to those promises and let them be a blessing. Let them be a blessing to you. 
I was reminded of the old hymn, standing on the promises of God. Let me read to you some of the verses. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord. Bound to him eternally by love's strong cord. Overcoming daily with the spirit's sword. Standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises. I cannot fall. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Resting in my Savior as my all in all. Standing on the promises of God. What a promise. And he says, he says to Abraham, Abraham, the promise is not just for the land, but the promise is that you will be a blessing. You will be a blessing to the nations. I will not just bless you. I will bless others through you. And isn't that what we are called to be as Christians, to be a blessing to others, to be a blessing when we wake each morning and say, Lord, may I be a blessing to someone. And maybe God is calling you to be a blessing to somebody. Maybe it's a neighbor you need to visit. Maybe it's something you need to do, but it will be a, a blessing to that person. And St. Thomas is, is called to be a blessing to the nations, to this nation, as well as this city, as well as this area of Edinburgh, to be a blessing. How wonderful. So there is the call and there is the promise and as he goes, Abraham is seen as the one who worships the Lord. Let me continue in verse 4 of Genesis 12. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abraham took Sarai, his wife, Lot, his brother's son, all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And then it says in verse 8, Abraham passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Mori. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. And so he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. You see, in that region, what Abraham had, had experienced up to that time was a land full of idolatry, with a land where people were carving stones and bits of wood and kneeling before what they had created and worshiping pieces of stone and pieces of wood and thinking therein lie the spiritual power that they worshiped. Not, none of it for Abraham. 
Abram had encountered Yahweh, the living God, Jehovah. And there, one of the first things Abraham does as he enters into the promised land, having gone up through the Euphrates, um, the northern Mesopotamia, and then crossing in through Jordan and into the promised land, he first builds an altar to worship the Lord and to give thanks to God for all that he has done for him. And then he goes on from there. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built another altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And there is another place of, of worship. He worshiped the Lord. God was at the heart of who he was, of his life, of his family, uh, uh, of everything. And so he bows before the Lord. And it's wonderful, isn't it? He gets this call. He gets this promise to be blessed and be a blessing. And then he kneels to worship the living God. But there's a warning. And there's a very important warning that the Lord wants his people to remember. In verse 9, And Abram journeyed on, still going towards the Negev. What was up here? What was happening here? After he worships the Lord, what happens to Abraham? We see here the man of great faith who is also has great weaknesses and makes many mistakes. And Abraham, just in verse 10 on that chapter, now there was a famine in the land, so Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe where he was. And here is the great man of God, not consulting God in any way about the next part of his journey, going down to Egypt on his own, no consultation with the Lord. You know, one of the things that I love about the Scriptures is the way it tells things so honestly when it speaks of characters like Abraham and you see them, warts and all, in the Bible. There's no cover-up. It's not just the great victories that we see. We also see the great defeats that some of God's people encountered. We see people like Elijah on Mount Carmel uh, engaging with the Baal prophets and having a wonderful victory. And then we see the fearful Elijah running away to hide from Jezebel in fear. And so we have this huge figure called Abram, who is part of God's great plan of salvation. He's called the friend of God, the father of faith, and we are his heirs. Yet he didn't do everything right. In fact, not long after this encounter with God in Bethel, we see him taking this action that God did not tell him to do. 
And the wonderful thing we learn is that God can bring out, even out of our mistakes and our bad choices, he can bring good things out of our bad choices. And God will continue to bless Abraham. But he doesn't, he's not blessing the sin. He's not blessing the disobedience. He's not blessing the lack of prayer. What he is blessing is that he is blessing Abram and he is blessing, continuing to bless Abram with his promises that he will be a blessing to others. There is Abraham. He goes down to Egypt. Sarai, when we get to Egypt, tell them you're my sister and that I'm your brother. Because if they know you're my wife, they will kill me so that they can have you. And uh, that's what he does. He lies, he deceives, but in the end, God works out everything for good for Abraham. And when he leaves Egypt, he's got more than he's ever had. So much that when he gets back to the land of Canaan, he says to his nephew Lot, there's too many of us for this land. So let's divide. And so Abram goes to the west and Lot goes to the east to take up residence in those two different parts of that area. But, you know, I hope... One of the things that I'm so encouraged by is that how God, you know, you know even when we make mistakes, when we take poor, you know, make poor choices... Even though we fail him at times, he is so good. He's a God of grace. He's a God who takes even the frailty that we show, the weaknesses we, we are guilty of, and he is able to transform that into his wonderful pattern for our lives. So this God doesn't turn Abraham away. This God doesn't say, do you know, Abraham, I've been good to you. I called you, I've guided you, I've blessed you, and you have not listened to me, but gone down to Egypt. But you know, Abraham, I'm not going to say to you, the deal is off. I'm not going to say to you, the covenant is broken. I'm not going to say to you, do you know, Abraham, because of that disobedience, I'm, no, I'm not going to bless you. And I'm not going to make you a blessing. God doesn't do that. Because God in his grace is able to forgive and restore Abraham and bring him in to the promised land. And I think that that's true for us. That all through our lives, none of us, we're all sinners, none of us, can, um, none of us is perfect. We, we make bad choices at times. But I know, looking back in my life, and I've made some poor choices, I have known how God, you know, how God has, has wonderfully guided me through. And it's only when you look back, in hindsight, you see this. You see, look how God guided me. Even though I made a bad choice, he brought good out of that. Isn't that wonderful? So Abraham, he hears the call. He receives the promise of blessing. He worships the Lord. And then even though he makes the wrong 
choice to go down to Egypt, God works that in to his perfect, perfect plan. So Abraham, to me, is an amazing, he's an amazing character in the Bible. And I am so glad because, you know, see if these guys were all coming over perfect, none of us would ever be encouraged, would we? But no, God, in his wonderful mercy and his grace, calls us, makes promises to us, says to us, we are going to be a blessing and we will be blessed. So St. Thomas's, let's learn from Abraham. Let's learn to trust God, especially in these months uh, that lie ahead of us. Let's pray fervently the prayers of faith because I honestly believe that God already knows. It's just for us to find out and he'll tell us when we pray to him and seek his face together. So maybe pray before I hand back to Alistair. Father God, thank you for this wonderful, wonderful man, Abraham. Thank you for the way that you called him, the promises that you made to him, the blessings that came to him, and the way he was a blessing to others. And thank you for the warning that we too have, that we must be careful, that we don't fail to pray to you and consult you on those big decisions that we make. But we thank you that you're a God of grace and your word reminds us, for in all things, God works for good to those who love him, who are called to his purposes. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.